From the big screen to the small screen and everything in between, this is the Screeners Podcast, where all media is appreciated, but none is safe. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Screeners Podcast. My name's Chris. This is Chad. And Melody. And this week, filling in for Josh, because Josh is actually having a child. At this very moment, we're recording this podcast. That is not true. Josh's <laughs> wife there we go. is in That's more labor, like <laughs> uh, giving birth to their first child. And so uh, we're excited for them Yay. and uh, are awaiting details. Wow. But, this um, is a lie. Josh is just paying hooky. He's lazy. I know. That is why he is not here. That's right. That's well, true. as you can hear, filling in for Josh is a good friend of ours, uh, Kevin Welch. Kevin uh, is a freelance designer. He lives in Atlanta. He's been in uh, the production industry for for many years. Good friend of ours, worked together on several different projects um, while we were in college as well as after. And uh, so we're going to have a good time with Kevin this afternoon chatting a little bit about media in all its shapes and sizes. So thanks, Kevin, for joining us. We appreciate it, man. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Welcome. All right. So, guys, uh, just uh, for you listening to us on the podcast this week, don't forget, we'd love to hear from everyone uh, in the audience. Please email us at screenerscast at gmail.com. Leave us a comment at screenerspodcast.com. If you're on Facebook, if that's kind of where you're living at, send us a message there. Just let us know what you're thinking, what you like about the podcast, what you don't like about the podcast, what you want to hear. We want to get your feedback so we can make this thing as best as we possibly can. Uh, And a quick note, we had a contest running uh, over the last uh, week and a half or so for our Facebook page. For everyone who liked our page, we were going to put everyone to a drawing, pick a name at random, and uh, give away our three favorite films from 2013. And the winner of that drawing was Ryan D'Angelo. Congratulations, Ryan D'Angelo. Yay, Ryan. So I believe we've got your your address and information, but if for some reason uh, we don't, we'll be uh, reaching out to you via Facebook in the next couple of days to get that info and ship those movies off to you. So we're excited. Thanks so much, everybody who participated in that. We really appreciate the likes. Keep connected with us here at the podcast, and uh, yeah, we'll keep doing that. It's awesome. Good stuff. All right, let's uh, jump straight into Jump Cuts. All right, guys, this is our lightning round segment of the podcast where we each ask a brief question, and then we all have 60 seconds um, in which to answer the question. If we go beyond the 60 seconds, you will hear this sound. All right, let's get going. All right, I have our first question today for Jump Cuts, and I just want to know what everyone has been watching or playing or doing to entertain yourself in the world of media. What is something that you guys have been doing lately that we have not talked about recently on the podcast? Chad, what about you? Well, uh, I recently flew to Las Vegas for a conference, and so I had a chance to watch a couple of movies that I had downloaded to my iPad. One of those is an older movie, and I think I might have referenced it on the podcast a long time ago, but it's a director's cut of the movie Kingdom of Heaven by Ridley Scott, and it is absolutely fantastic. It's about three hours long, but I just heard a lot of people that 
I follow or listen to on other podcasts talk about how great it was. And I have to I have to admit it's it's really, really very, very good. Um, and then very quickly, another show that we talked about early in the days of this podcast, but we haven't mentioned in a long time that I'm still with and is even better than the first season is the new season of The Americans. It is so oh. great. It's really gone up a, a notch from last uh, season. So if anybody even had any remote interest in that show, I would recommend going back to get it again because it's excellent. All right, Chris, what about you? Well, I've got two things I want to mention real fast. Um, the first one is a documentary that I downloaded and um, watched uh, just a couple of days ago, and that is a, a movie called The Unknown Known. Have you guys heard about this? Oh, uh, yeah. That's the uh, Donald Rumsfeld. Donald Rumsfeld. It is it. fascinating. From a historical standpoint, It is. I, I did not realize how big of a role Donald Rumsfeld has played in many different administrations throughout the years uh, and his fingerprints kind of all over a lot of our um, uh, national defense. It's just, it's it's a fascinating, um, fascinating blunt documentary about the life of Donald Rumsfeld. So if you're, if that kind of thing intrigues you, history, you definitely will like that, um, uh, that movie, The Unknown Knowns. Uh, and then also I've been playing on my iPad an app called Hearthstone. Just came out for iOS. It is a Blizzard's uh, card game app and it is fantastic. If you've got an iPad. Just about to finish up. Oh. <laughs> All go right. Ahead, go ahead. I want to hear it's about fine. it. Go ahead. I love um, card games. Please tell me, me more. Well, no. If, if you're into card games and you enjoy any kind of any, any in, like a role playing game, any of that kind of aesthetic, and you know Blizzard, you know it's going to be quality, and it is. It's really fun. It's. I, I wasn't expecting to enjoy that. I just was going to download it and try it and then delete it. But I ended up playing for about an hour and uh, kind of want to get back on it and, and play some more. So Hearthstone for iOS for iPad. It's it's great. Why didn't you tell me about this game? Because uh, I downloaded it yesterday and I was going to. Uh-huh. Hey, uh-huh. I'm telling you right now. Back it up, kids. Back it up. <laughs> Marital counseling is the next step. Oh, <laughs> all right. Well, that's why we do the screeners. Pretty much. I am. I'm Get out all our stone right now so that I can play it while you guys are talking. It's fantastic. Uh, no, Kevin, we want to hear from you next. What have you uh, been doing to entertain yourself in the world of media? Okay. Uh, the things I can talk about on here. Um, for me, it's been books recently. Um, ah. Two really great authors that I've been follow- that I've kind of followed for a couple of years now. One is how uh, Hugh Howie, which I always get his name wrong. He has two series, uh, one called the Silo series, and then a, a new book he's just written called Sand. And the guy is amazingly good at writing stories that really kind of get under your skin. Uh, the other author is named Alex Hughes. She's a local Atlanta author, and she's written a great um, sci-fi series based in that it takes place in a future version of atlanta uh alex hughes and hugh howie both of them great authors i've read everything they've written so far and if you like science fiction you'll love their stuff very uh, cool kevin can you explain real quick to chris what a book is mm-hmm. yeah, I, i'm not exactly sure actually chris a book in yeah. my parlance is a thing i get off of audible.com i was gonna That's ask you about that yeah, i'm very familiar <laughs> with audible never mind kevin, audible makes all the sense in the world it is <laughs> If it's if it's a new book and it's not coming out on Audible, it must not be very good. Because they put out the good stuff the day it hits the shelves. So why don't you go back and say you've been listening to books instead of reading them? Melody, up to you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh dear. All right. Well, I actually have a couple TV shows to mention, which I know comes as a great shock to all of you, since I've not been watching much TV lately. But in order to just you know have a little fun, a little escapism. 
we started watching um, Scandal, uh, which I don't know if any of you guys have mentioned that before. But okay, it's dumb. I know it's dumb, and I don't really have time for networky stuff like that. But it totally sucks you in. It's the yeah, it's Grey's Anatomy for like political stuff. But I don't know. That's an insult to Grey's Anatomy. You know, I thought that was called House of Cards. I thought you liked Scandal. Chad. No, I watched. Creator. I know. I'm just. I know it's Shonda Rhimes. I watched the first season, and it was the worst thing I've ever seen. And really? then, it, and then it got war- way crazier. So it tried to be more serious in the first season, then it went off the rails, and that's what everybody loves, apparently. So, yeah, everyone says it gets so much better. So I don't know. The, the episode we watched last night was super cheeseball. So I don't know how much longer we'll stay with it. But it, it is one sh- of those. It jumped yeah. a shark for me. I, I, in fact, I stopped watching about midway through. I was like, oh, I don't know about this. It was suddenly just like all romantic drama. But uh-huh. it's one of those ones where it's just like, oh, let's just watch one more. And suddenly the night is gone and we've been watching stupid TV all night. Mm-hmm. So anyways, I'm not sure why I really brought that up because I'm not necessarily <laughs> recommending it. <laughs> But anyway, and then the other TV show I've been watching, which is obviously not new, but I feel like it needs to be mentioned somewhere on this show. So I'm going to mention it. Game of Thrones. We're caught up with the first two episodes. And definitely this this last week's was a very exciting episode mm-hmm. with a payoff that many have been waiting for for a very long time. I'm just saying payoff. There's so many payoffs yeah, you could want no, in that show. Not really. There's so many. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I just. Oh, yeah, if you are. say that, I immediately go one place. I haven't <laughs> watched it, don't. Kevin. Shh. I, I just I, I I'm going to tell you right now I haven't watched any I've watched the okay. first two thirds of the first episode of Game of Thrones and got Good. bored. What is wrong? Wow! I've read the books three times, so I know the story <laughs> in and out. And I was just like, this is too slow. I could see that. Okay. All right. Well, that's what I got for this one. So hey, real nice. quick, honorable mention for people that like documentaries. Um, I watched one on Netflix called. Client Nine: The Rise and Fall of Elliot Spitzer. Yes, it's that's good. So good. Yeah, it's you're very right. well done, and um, he's actually a part of the production. So I would recommend that too. I watched that recently. It's really, does, really pretty great. Does that one go into the how to do what he did, or just about <laughs> what he did? I mean, I'm just, I'm, just, I'm curious. I'm just wondering. You're just wondering. I'm sure. Just wondering. The, I have a friend, Chad. Just so you know, too, the <laughs> unknown known is literally. It's just a documentary. It, it's it's an interview with Donald Rumsfeld reading his memos. Oh, cool. so it is. It's not like they're doing it on Donald Rumsfeld. He is actually the main part of. He's yeah. the. It's kind of like the Mike Tyson thing, where he was the whole thing was just him yeah. talking about his life. Yeah, maybe. It but Donald Rumsfeld out. is crazy. Like it's it's uh, so it's is crazy. Mike Tyson. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> For my question today, I read an article in Variety that mentioned a statistic for 2013. Specifically, it said that the most coveted demographic from the theater experience, certainly from a marketer standpoint, which is the 18 to 24 range, fell an estimated 17% last year, which is a large drop uh, over 2012. And so it's got a lot of theater owners and maybe Hollywood a little bit in a tizzy. And further down in the article, it talks specifically about one of the reasons that they think this is so is because that Im- that demographic has lots of new technologies and ways of watching film, which is leading to discussions, number one, of ways to make the theater experience better, but number two, actual real discussions about distribution of movies in a way other than just the pipeline of the theater system. So my question to you guys is, in a world where we know that sometime within the next, let's say, 10 years or so, uh, there's a good possibility that everything is going to be available online day and date, whether it's television, whether it's movies, 
do you think that this is a good thing and does the experience of how you see something matter anymore and ultimately do you feel like this is going to be something that's going to affect content in a positive or a negative way so i know we've got a lot of different ways we can go here but i am just curious because it looks like this is coming this train's coming down the tracks whether we like it or not so mm. chris i know that you have strong feelings about this what do you think well, I think aesthetics matter. I think, especially on certain films, you want to see them in the best possible way, the way that the director intended. And the only way you can do that is to be in a good theater. Now, the problem is that sometimes you go to a bad theater and you have a horrible experience, whether that be just because of the setup, the theater itself, the physical space, or you know, you've got a bad audience or whatever the case might be. But I feel like in order for the, the theater-going experience to survive... They have to do things differently. They have to make it appealing to say, you know what, I wouldn't want to see that movie anywhere other than a large screen with the best possible sound uh, with my 3D goggles on and you know, ready to rock and roll. That's the only way I want to see that movie, and they have to appeal to us on that level. And if they don't, those things are just going to go away, and they're going to be you know, trite and just kind of things that old folks do because they used to do it. So you know, I, I think it matters but I think it only matters if they make it something that's important and they actually feed into um, the theaters and give us something we can't get other places. Okay. Melody, what do you think? Yeah, I completely agree. I think there are some films that you definitely want the theater going experience for. I think there are others that you don't. So, you know, that may change the industry as, as things become more early available um, when, when films come out or whatever. Because, I mean, there are just some movies that I, I don't really care whether I see them in the theater or just in my home or whatever. But, I mean, there, there is the social aspect, I guess, of, of going out and going to the theater that I think, you know, yeah. if, if people are theater fans, if they like doing that together, um, then they're still going to go just like, oh, it's Friday night. Let's see what's playing. Not because we want to see this specific movie or whatever, but just because it's something fun to do. But I do think, you know, continuing to upgrade the experience um, is going to hopefully continue to draw people to go to the theater. Okay, so you guys both took the uh, took the standpoint of uh, improving theatrical experience and talking socially. Kevin, what do you think about specifically maybe with this particular demographic, their hypothesis that the reason their numbers are down is because of more options to a get movies uh, by pirating or more devices what what is your specific opinion about that i don't think piracy is as big an issue because most of the younger people that i encounter have no idea how to use their technology beyond a surface level so actually getting good pirated material for them is probably not really in the realm of possibility mm -hmm. i i think a lot of people a lot of kids they, they just don't really care to pay 12 bucks a person to see a movie yeah um Price. And they would rather they would rather if they're going if you talk about so, a social experience they would rather go and hang out someplace and be with their friends and maybe catch the movie another way and then talk about it later. But as far as enjoying the social experience of going out to a movie, I just don't see it. Okay, so you you're you're taking the the price standpoint. The rising prices of cinema uh, are probably playing a role. I can get on board that train for sure. I'm old enough to remember. And this is true. I, I was in my back er in my day. yeah back in my day, but I was in my early teens, and I was in a movie store. So it shows you how old I was there. And I was having a conversation with the guy there, and we were complaining about the fact that they had just raised movie prices in the evening to five dollars. 
Okay. <laughs> That's how old yeah. I am. But we were like, really like $5. Nobody will pay. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, I'm now, paying a saw book for <laughs> a right. show. Exactly right. And now that they're, you know, recently I was in, in New York and just a, a regular ticket, not even 3d was like 18 bucks. And so it is kind of getting out of wow. control. And yeah. so uh, I think price does have a lot to do with it. I think the theater experience, I want it to be better, but not at the cost of now it's 20 bucks. And if I have a couple of kids, it's $150 to go see a movie because then for sure it's going to drive everybody straight into the living room. So at that point, go to a Braves game. Yeah, there you yeah, go. Exactly right. Go do something else. And I think that's the problem is, is that if they can, if, if they could bring down the price, maybe they get more butts in the seats. But at the moment, They've got to raise it because nobody's coming. You know, what yep. I mean? the, the 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 movies aren't good enough to bring at any price, so they have to raise them so they can break even or you know make money, profit, whatever. Okay. So. Just think about it, Chris. Would you go and see the unknown known in no. theater? In fact, I was just about to. I was going to say that, but I knew I only had a minute. But I was going to say like there are certain films that do not lend themselves well to being in a theater, and yeah. a documentary is one of them. I, I would rather be at home and because wa- what I love to do is. While I'm watching a documentary, especially one about a political um, agenda or, you know, we watched the um, what was that Blackfish documentary I talked about um, mm-hmm. earlier in the year. While I'm watching documentaries, I love to be on my iPad and doing research. You know what I mean? Like finding out, oh, wait a minute. That's interesting. I pause the movie. I go on and I look. And so that it's more of a learning experience for me. And I really enjoy that. So I'm not sure I'd want to see that in a theater, but like Captain Although, America 2, I'd love to see that in the theater. That's sure. an experience, you know? And there are some theaters that are exploring the connected theater experience where they actually encourage and allow tweeting yeah. and all that kind of stuff. That sounds like the third level of hell to me, well, but I think a lot thing. of people would love it. it well, that's about up like, there with sitting next to a 15-year-old girl on an airplane <laughs> while she can use her yeah. cell phone. Well, here, I'm going to go ahead and blow my brains out. Well, there's mm-hmm. two ways to take about that, though. Um, chat is if if that added to the experience or takes away from the experience. So like if if there was a movie specifically designed to get input from the audience from their cell phones while you're watching it, that may be an interesting idea. That actually adds <laughs> to the experience. If it's just sounds I'm like smell a movie, to me. Yeah, well, I'm saying, <laughs> what I'm a saying is choose your own adventure. Yeah, if, if 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 it actually added to the experience, or you know whatever you tweeted or whatever, like you know what I mean. Like if, if there was a if there was a reason why. If there's not, if it's just to distract from what's going on on the screen, then it's pointless and stupid. There's no reason to have it there. But right. if it adds, then why not? That could be cool. Sure, you have fun with that. Perhaps. Yeah. You can put, you can I don't. I don't. Giant full screen QR codes, and you, everyone holds their phone up. Oh to my it gosh. And Watch the movie but, through the phone, and it's projected with buzz. Yeah. Buzz. Yeah, we're buzzing buzz. all, all of us. Here we go. Done. Number three. NBC is basically out of ideas. They have uh, <laughs> run out of anything funny to do because I've seen NBC before I got rid of cable and there wasn't anything good on it. Um, so now they're looking for sitcoms, not from the traditional pool of professional stand-up comedians, but from everyday schmucks like you and me. And they specifically do not want your funny YouTube clips, ladies and gentlemen. No, they want good stuff. That's right. Because they're out of it, so they have a, they have a panel of different producers and comedians. Like uh, they have Jason Bateman, uh, Mindy Kaling, uh, Amy Poehler, uh, Seth Meyers is on it. And these these comedians, these writers, and these producers of these other great shows are coming together and picking out. They're going to pick out ten shows, and they'll and NBC will then fund a pilot. And then of those ten shows, they'll pick one show that they will buy. And this is groundbreaking. They will pay up 
for up to four episodes. Four. Four whole episodes. Wow, and they amazing. might run or might not run those episodes <laughs> on a television box Whoa. at people's houses. Wow. This is groundbreaking. And <laughs> I want to get you guys' thoughts on it. I'll go last and let you guys uh, kick it around. But thoughts on the need for networks to do this and if you think it's going to be effective or not effective uh, and should people try this model or go a different way? So I'm actually kind of intrigued by this, even though I really hate sitcoms. I mean, apart from a couple like Parks and Rec or whatever and Modern Family, I, I pretty much despise sitcoms. But I don't know. I, I mean, okay, this is kind of dumb, but it's also kind of interesting because maybe it's actually only interesting to me because I have an idea that I really want to submit, so we just might. But um, and but I can't talk about it because then one of our <coughs> fine listeners might steal it. So we'll talk about this after the show. Right? Yeah, we'll come back and um, yeah. Anyway, but um, I mean, I I think the idea of discovering indie talent is is interesting, and it's probably a clever way of getting new viewers or different viewers. Um, I don't know if they'll end up with anything good, but um. It's interesting. I might submit something, so that'd be fun. Chad, what do you think? Yeah, I actually am positive on the idea just from the standpoint, from a marketing perspective. I think if they promote the fact that they're going this route, it may get people just out of sheer curiosity yep. to to watch some of this or at least to participate with NBC. I, I really am not confident that it's going to result in any great television. I think what may happen is that because of the talent that's involved on the producer level with this, these guys are seriously funny comedians and actors that are uh, mm -hmm. a part of this. We may find some great writers or we may find a couple of interesting ideas or characters. It's one of those things is that how it's just another avenue for people to get discovered. And if, if it's good, it's good. And if it's not good, I don't think that they'll I don't think even NBC would put out anything that's just patently horrible right. although they have in the past <laughs> uh, sorry. I think they've I'm got enough I'm laughing with you well I think they have enough people at the top that know funny that are involved with this production that it, it probably will take care of itself so I'm at least interested yeah alright Chris what do you think it's an interesting idea. I feel like there's a lot of ways that they can abuse this too. Like I'm sure that when the moment you um, give them your idea, you're also signing your rights away. We'll um, give you twelve dollars. Yeah, no. and, and, and they're going to pay you for four whole episodes. I though. know, but I, I feel like it's a little bit of this like idea of you know crowdsourcing ideas. Like there's a lot of there's been a lot of information or um, news stories coming out of you know companies doing this and. At some point, it's not illegal, but it's very it's questionable uh, to 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 ask an audience for something and then you take their idea and then you run off with it. I don't know. I I'm, I, I like the idea of them doing a bunch of different pilots, kind of like what Amazon did. Um, and if they can have you know, it's more of like a television show where they're actually you know trying to pitch their idea and then it you know then it becomes something a little bit more significant than that. I don't know. I just. I feel like there's a lot of places where this can be abused, even though NBC obviously is looking for something um, creative, but, you know, I'm on board. Uh, um, Kevin, what about you? I'd like to think that NBC would be, would try to at least be above board on this, but I just don't see it. I could see a situation where someone submits a great idea 
and then somebody upstairs says, "Oh wait, we had that idea first. Sorry." Yeah. Yeah. Um, mm. Because there's no, I mean, I'm a firm believer that there's really no such thing as a new idea. But at the same time, they're doing this also to try to find talent that's outside of the normal scouting pool that they use. And if someone, and with the cost of production coming down so far and, and getting so easy for normal people to do, I, I can't see why, if I had a good idea, I can't see why I would go to NBC rather than do it myself. Uh, and a great example of that is the uh, mini, the, the web series, The Guild, that Felicia Day produces. Sure, yeah, absolutely hilarious. She does. She's on different network shows uh, for Fox and other state, on other uh, networks. But in terms of her presence as an actress and a producer, it's her own work that's gotten her notoriety, uh, not her stuff on on other people's shows. But you know, her stuff has got a much smaller viewership than what you would get if you were on NBC primetime. You know what exactly. I mean? Exactly. And you're, if you get 3 million viewers uh, on an NBC show, that shows a failure. Right. But if you get 3 million for a web series, oh, you're, you're doing amazing because that's, that's, a, that's a great target audience that you, ha- you can really drill into. And you can say this is a niche audience that's really engaged. And, he, and th- I feel like those, those viewers and those eyeballs are worth much more than the average person sure. in Channel 3. But I'm always for anything that is going to at least – even if it gives the appearance of opening up a pathway for people that aren't in the circle uh, to get their stuff in front of people. Because, you know, how do you get an idea in front of NBC executives? you begging people to read your script and you're, you know, it's all this stuff. So, you know, I'm all for that. I think that it could lead to something good or not. And if it's a train wreck, then that's entertaining too. Mm-hmm. I, I, I like that. I like the idea of that, but I think the problem with that idea of, of you know how do I get my stuff in front of an NBC exec is the wrong question to ask. I think the right question is why do we need you, NBC? We can produce this and distribute this ourselves. What is it you do for me now? Well, right now in the year two thousand and fourteen, they give you the potential to get in front of millions and millions yeah. and millions of people immediately. That's what they offer. Yep, pretty much until they until they show your idea and your pilot doesn't work the way they wanted to and they kill it even though your idea was amazing and that's happened time and time again with great shows yeah see you know and fox is notorious for it they had they would have a show that would run a season and then one more episode and then they kill it and you all of a sudden you have a a diehard fan base saying where did our awesome show go yeah but because of things like netflix and other places like that there are other avenues if that happens where they can go to live another day true i think i my thing is tear down nbc Tear them all down. We don't need you, don't need you anymore, NBC, ABC, CBS. You're old. You're dying. Go off into the woods. Lay down in the grass. <laughs> let them do, let Netflix and Amazon run the world now and Google. The opinions the of you Kevin him. Welch do not you necessarily him, represent Kevin. those of the Screeners Podcast. Copyright Die. 2014. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Number three. Google unveiled last week uh, at their developer conference uh, something they're calling Project Aura. Uh, Aura is a mission to create a modular smartphone. It'd be the last smartphone you ever needed to buy because you'd be able to swap out everything from the camera to the display to the battery and always have the phone that you want. So I'm interested. I sent you guys an article with a um, kind of a brief description and some photos of Project Aura, what they're working on. And I'm just curious what you guys thought of the basic idea. And uh, not necessarily the technology, but more 
more about the idea that you can have a smartphone, swap out what you want when you want it. And, uh, you know, if you're going out on a long trip, you can swap a bigger battery in rather than having to have the huge hard drive you have. And you just kind of can swap out pieces for other pieces and and make a smartphone that you really want on the fly, uh, depending upon what situation you might be in. So, Kevin, have you looked at Project Aura? What do you think? This is the first I've heard of it. I just now saw the link to that. So I'm going to go without reading anything. I'm just going to give you my first thoughts. And my first thing that popped on my mind was Project Aura, smartphone in disguise. Because um, <laughs> it sounds like it sounds like a Lego Transformer smartphone. It which is. I think is an amazing idea if they can pull it off in terms of design and, and uh, industrial design style. Yeah. Um, I like that idea. Bigger battery for some things. Better, you know, maybe a better camera lens for other things. You know, if you, right. if that's what you're into. Yep. I, you know, more storage space. I think a modular approach to phones is, with a with just a base platform is an awesome idea. Go Google. Go Google. Yeah, these that's guys are. These guys are great. They're on a two-year time frame. They're a year in. They've got one more year to finish this project. These are ex-DARPA guys. Um, so um, this isn't kind of their plan around. They really want to get a real product into the marketplace. Let's see here. Chad, what do you think about Aura? Is it intriguing to you? It is intriguing. Working in the world of production, primarily we're using these days RED cameras, which are very modular yeah. cameras, which is cool because you can build things out exactly how you want it. It's not cool because every little thing costs extra money. Uh-huh. And so as long as this model is developed in such a way that it's not more expensive than a normal upgrade cycle would be, then I'm at least interested. Although I have to be honest and say, on the one hand, I love the idea of I need more storage, so I go get more storage. I need a better camera, I get a better camera. On the other hand, one of the things that I really love about this industry right now is that the exciting new developments in design. And so I love the idea of seeing a newly designed phone or a newly designed tablet and things like that. And I don't I don't know that I love the idea of just locking into the exact same thing for, you know, six years or whatever, because I like having the new thing that looks new and has new functionality. So I'm intrigued. I like the idea, but I don't know yet. I'm going to have to see it and actually put my hands on it to, to know if it's for me. Absolutely. And this is a, you know, prototype still, you know, they're very much in the, um, you know, just alpha, alpha, pre-alpha stages of it. But uh, yeah, good stuff. Melody, how about you? Does this, does this look exciting or is this kind of just, bleh? yeah, I mean, I'm kind of with Chad on that, on the fact that I like to get my new phone and my new box and have it all shiny and new, you know what I mean? Instead of just having a base thing and I click new pieces in as I need them or whatever. But I got to say, like, the pictures look pretty awesome and the idea is not bad, especially, you know, when you think about upgrading the camera or the or the memory or whatever. But um, I'm also kind of really set in my ways with my iPhone. And so, like, for me personally, it would have to be something pretty amazing for me to, to make a switch because um, I'm I'm in my upgrade cycle and I'm happy with my iOS and whatever. But, you know, I'm try I try to be open minded. Not really. But um, but the article does say that um, the goal is to build a device that will make the smartphone accessible to the billions of people who can't afford iPhones. Yeah. So uh, apparently it's going to be an affordable model, which is interesting. Yeah. Um, It'll be affordable to get the frame and, and one that works and then you have to upgrade it. Bare bones. Good luck. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. It's the Mini Cooper, of, the old style Mini Cooper of phones. It's like, oh, I have a flat tire. I'll take that guy's tire. It'll fit on my car. <laughs> <laughs> everything works with the it. The hoods are interchangeable, steering wheel, everything. We'll see. We'll see. It's interesting. 
Yeah. No, I, I find it interesting just because it's different than what everybody else is doing at the moment. And I feel like, Chad, what you were saying, you like to be able to get newly designed. Well, I'm sure they'll come out with a new frame um, every you know year, year and a half. But if you bought the first one, you'll still be able to upgrade it. Because there's some folks who are you know in that, that old world. And I also feel like, too... This will help with resaleability of phones too. Um, you know, you'll be able to actually keep a phone for years and years, and it won't be out of um, uh, way out of uh, the, the 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 curve of technology because you can always swap new things in and out. And even if you want the new frame, you sell somebody the old frame, they can still have a phone that's viable and worth using for years to come. Which is one of the problems I've always had with Android phones. This is why I think it's interesting for Android because. At the moment, you buy one Android phone, and then a month later, there's a new screen, there's a new uh, blah, blah, blah. And if we can just swap out the screen, swap out the battery, swap out the camera, that may be more appealing for the way Android functions right now. And I don't know. I may be interested in something like that. So anyway. It helps with the recyclability as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. You're right. This is, you're not throwing away a huge chunk of plastic. Now you're just you know discarding the one thing you don't, you don't need anymore. Yeah. That's a good point, Kevin. That's a very. And good I, point. I could see a lot of DIY type people who like to really get into hardware hacking. Yep. Taking some of these modular parts and doing some really cool stuff with them. Yeah, we'll put the link in the um, in the show notes. You guys can go and check it out. There's actually a fun like four minute video with the guys. Uh, it's a full video of of behind the scenes of Project Aura and them talking about all of it, and um, it's it's pretty exciting and and interesting at the very least. Welcome to the main event. This week for our main event, we return to the world of Marvel for Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Most of the intelligence community doesn't believe he exists. The ones that do call him the Winter Soldier. He's a ghost. You'll never find him. I joined S.H.I.E.L.D. to protect people. Captain. To build a better world sometimes means tearing the old one down. Does that make sense? Captain America needs my help. When do we start? We just did. Looks like you're giving the orders now, Captain. Damn right. How do we know the good guys from the bad guys? If they're shooting at you, they're bad. The IMDb description of Captain America Winter Soldier says Steve Rogers struggles to embrace his role in the modern world and battles a new threat from old history, the Soviet agent known as the Winter Soldier. Now, I know here on the screeners, most of us are pretty hardcore fans of the Marvel series. I'm not sure about Kevin. We'll find out here in just a minute. But I know that each year we have at least two times where we get to jump back into the world of the Marvel Universe and experience the newest tale. Uh, for some people, it's a huge huge deal every year. For some people, it's beginning maybe to get a little bit uh, old hat. So, my question to you guys this week is, does this latest installment in the Marvel series, and in particular Captain America, which, which has its own unique tone, both of these films that are a little different from the rest, uh, does, is it enough new to keep it interesting? Was it enough to make you excited about what is next to come? Or is this just more of the same? Good movie, maybe not great. I can't wait till Avengers. So I'm interested to hear what you guys think about that. So let's start first with Kevin. You're a special guest this week. What did you think about Captain America? 
I really enjoyed it. Um, I had a good time watching it. The thing I liked the most, though, and I had some problems with the movie that I'll get to in a second, but the thing I really enjoyed the most was some of the name dropping that they did, and little hints and nods to future movies. And as soon as they, one of the things they say, you know, they mentioned by name Stephen Strange. Yeah. And as soon as they did, I thought that they're going to do a Doctor Strange movie. They mm-hmm. don't. They, there's no way they're going to mention a character that big by name and not do a movie around him, yep. um, which made me extremely happy. All in all, I liked it. I was a little annoyed at how, in order to make every, well, I don't know, we're not doing spoilers right now, are we? Yeah, no spoilers yet. These are just no, general oh, thoughts. Man. <laughs> good movie. <laughs> okay. No, nice. All right. That's good. Nice. I like Young Shaman. That's good. That's good. Melody, what did you think about Captain America? I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, we saw it, you know, in the IMAX. Was it 3D? I can't even remember now if yeah. it was 3D. Yeah. IMAX 3D. Uh, saw it in IMAX 3D. Obviously, the 3D wasn't too uh, memorable, but um, I thought like it was a so- it was a solid comic book movie. Not too gimmicky. Not too much sappy romance decent character development really great some really great action scenes but like to be completely honest i feel like i'm just over the comic book movies a little bit or or at least the vast number of them like i like them but i kind of feel like i want to be excited to go see like two or three per year not like have to go see like 10 movies every year i mean okay i don't have like a huge affinity to these characters so I get that. But it just didn't seem to have a lot of magic for me. Like, I don't really understand the raving reviews for it. I I thought it was good. It was fun. I I enjoyed it. But did it have magic? Mm, No. And, like, I'm not trying to be... I'm not trying to be cynical. It it was fun. Um, I just didn't think it had, like, greatness. Compared to the first one, I kind of like the origin stories. So, to be honest, I personally probably enjoyed the first one better. Although this might have been a better constructed movie and... I mean, obviously, people loved it, so maybe you guys can convince me why it was better, but it was fine. It was good. I I enjoyed it. Okay. Chris, what about you? I think they really, in my opinion, upped the ante in this film because, you know, every time Marvel does a film now that's outside of the Avenger, main Avenger film, which they're the tentpole releases they're going to do every two or three years now, with these, quote-unquote, smaller movies with just the individual characters. I think this may be my favorite one. It's a close tie to the first Iron Man to, for me. Um, so this may wow. be my f- second or third favorite Marvel film they've put out, especially in the age of you know Edward Snowden and WikiLeaks and all this stuff. Uh, it's fun to take a comic book take on that whole idea of surveillance and how much can the government do and overreach governmental regulations and all that stuff. It's just, it's kind of fascinating to see that political thriller in the world of, you know, a Captain America uh, superhero film. So for me, I really quite enjoyed it. I, I told Melody coming out of it, I said, that's the best born movie I've ever seen. And I felt it was like, it, you know, it, it, it's like a born movie but in the world of you know Marvel, um, you know Super Soldier and uh, kind of you know the government agency that he's always trusted may or may not be what he thought it was, and um, so it's just it's kind of a cool take on a character that and in a world that we haven't really seen before. And what's even cooler, what I'm really enjoying right now is I also watch Marvel uh, Agents of Shield on ABC, and what's interesting about that is how much. They have so uh, interconnected Blended this the Marvel, worlds, yeah. 
cinematic universe. Yeah, it is so crazy that they're able to time everything properly. Um, you know, this movie is going to have a direct impact on every other film that comes after it. Uh, and that's a really cool thing that you just don't see. Normally it's one or two little bits, but this changes literally everything. And so that's, I, I quite enjoyed the movie for that. It, it, it is, it was, it was, it was a good time. It really was. Yeah. And I, I will say that Marvel has to get kudos for, I mean, who, who could have ever imagined that we would live in a world where such a fully formed universe of comics have yeah. been created and then interconnected from film to, to the small screen. Uh, it's crazy. And in such a predominantly successful way. I will have to say that, you know, based on the knowledge of who was going to, when I first heard who was going to direct this film, shook my head and was like, what? You know, it's <laughs> uh, it's a, a pair of brothers that whose last film was You, Me, and Dupree. Yeah. Um, and, and they've done some television <laughs> stuff, uh, some good television stuff. But, but so I was a little curious at that pick. And I, and I do have to agree with Melody and say that I am very much squarely in the center of comic book movie fatigue. Because, I, again, it's almost like, oh, OK, there's a new one. I, I need to check it off and go see it. I'm not like right. really fully excited and engaged about it. But I think the main reason that has been so is because outside of the, the original Iron Man, and the Avengers, all of the rest of the movies, this is my opinion, all the rest of these movies have been serviceable, but not great. Right. Uh, some have been worse than serviceable, like Iron Man 2, Iron Man 3. Mm. Iron Man 3. You know, oh. Where I just actively disliked them. And so I went into this film thinking, oh, I got to see it. It's Captain America. And I left the film saying, this is my favorite Marvel movie ever ever yeah maybe just a tick behind not just iron i think it's better than the original iron man i think yeah. it's just a tick behind the avengers for me one thing that stuck out to me was you know every one of these movies the world is in danger and how many times can i be worried about the whole world blowing up right or something right. happening i like the idea that even though this was like i guess quote unquote the united states it was still felt smaller to me it felt more focused and the action what i was really worried about with the directors was what are the action scenes going to be like the hand-to-hand mm. -hand combat in this movie there's a scene Amazing. without doing yeah. into the spoilers yet but there's a scene in this movie on like this ship it was so fantastic it had a weight to it that felt very exciting i agree with you chris if this is kind of the paul greengrass style of yeah. action film shooting but in a way that also incorporated a decent amount of wide and establishing shots where i could follow the action i just i loved all the characters i thought the villain was uh interesting and intimidating and a worthy adversary uh, the cinematography was beautiful yeah. i thought the story was tight robert redford was great you yeah, know really i mean was. there's just shockingly so just, you're just yeah. kind of like why is, wh what's going what? on robert here, redford right? yeah. like, how did they yeah. even get him that that's the thing for me is i i when we when I first saw the trailer for it, I, I was like, wait a minute, did they get Robert Redford? Yeah. Are you kidding Robert me? Robert Redford. Uh, and I thought everything was stuff. just expertly designed, you know, yeah. from the stuff in the elevator to the, just everything. I, I just did not expect anything from this. And I liked the first Captain America. I liked it. But I loved the second Captain America. I, I This is an immediate purchase on Blu-ray when it comes out. And if they do more movies like this, I'll get excited again. I just yeah. hope that they can. This is a huge step up for me for almost all the other Marvel stuff. So I, I really, really had a great time at the movies and can't wait to see this one again. I have to bring a little bit of negativity here. Sure. Um, I thought some of the bad guy reveals, because we know Captain America fights Hydra. He fights 
sure. these Nazis left over from World right. War II, and you know, that's that's his main enemy. I thought that was really sort of we're going to dumb this down, make this very obvious who the bad guy is, and not just who the the, the main Winter Soldier you know adversary is, but who all of his supporters are by being really obvious in some spots. I, I'm uh, not. I'm not sure. I mean, I think there's some uh, decent foreshadowing of. Uh, the Winter Soldier. I think that obviously they're doing, but, that, but I think you're kind of supposed to know that if you're familiar at all with the story. When you some of it, you some of it, yes, but some of the you know, like the, the different senators and the different people, the higher ups that were supporting. Yeah, I, yeah, no, I really I felt like Gary yeah. Shandling, we're bad like, That's guys. That was oh, the dumb. Gary Shandling thing was terrible. Was terrible. Yeah. You're right. I, yeah, I, I, I watched. That. I was like, seriously, you're, you're right. You, could you just look at the camera and say i'm a bad guy just yeah. one time for me and, 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 and hydra on, that was cheesy you're yeah. right i totally forgot but thank that you was bad. you know it was i enjoyed the movie so much that i feel like i may have blocked out some of those <laughs> exactly. like more like there was another and i'll get into spot there's another really cheesy <laughs> point uh, in the film where we meet another one of the bad guys in a at a bunker if we, if we know what i'm talking yeah. about right and that for me was a little bit of jumping the shark but we can talk about that in spoilers yeah, I, I, I totally I disagree with that so we'll talk do about you that. Really? really yeah all right yeah, yeah, okay yeah, yeah. We'll talk about i will that say this i want more I, I would have liked the movie more if there had been more nick fury yeah. i want i want some super spy nick fury action but he was pretty everybody great. else can go fight. that that action sequence scenes. and that he action did. sequence in the, i wanted in the SUV. so much more of that i yeah. would have watched an entire movie of of you Samuel L. Jackson, Nick Fury. You may, you may or may not get it, depending upon. I hope so. I really do. This movie, it, yeah, it but I think I think Nick Fury <laughs> was in this movie more than any other movie he's been in. It was very. Yeah, that's true. And you're right, Chris. That that set piece uh, in the SUV without giving away what happens it's amazing. was amazing. Awesome. It was yeah. it was fantastic. I, it was I the best part been, of the movie for me. It's, I yeah, think no, it was the best part. I, I have not been more thrilled and and more uh, in an action sequence. Mm-hmm. I think in the last yeah. maybe two years, like I was because I'm genuinely I I genuinely felt. Like anything could happen. So let's, before we get into spoilers, let's just give our final thoughts. Uh, recommend whether people should see this or not. And if so, should they see it in the theater? Uh, Kevin, what do you say? Uh, see it, but I, for me, I could have rented it and been just as happy. Okay, a rental for Honestly. Kevin. What about you, Melody? Yeah, I think I think so. If you're if you're a fan of these types of movies at all, this is one of the better ones um, of the last few years. So even if you are a little bit over them, I would say this is one to see for sure. And Chris? Look, if you want an awesome, enjoyable time at the movies, this go see Pacific Rim. <laughs> yeah, 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 high Kevin, five, Kevin tell him. That's right. Uh, you know that what? That's on HBO right. now, and I started watching it, and I realized how so much good. I despise that movie. It is so awesome. Chris, you're so wrong. Chris, there's something broken in your brain that of all <laughs> the kinds of movies you like, you hate that movie. <laughs> right? What that is wrong with you? It's like literally Del Toro went into your brain and pulled it out <laughs> and said, this is custom made for you, sir. Yeah, we yeah. want yeah. the uh, thing we there. want until we have it. It's, now, now that he had it, he just, I don't like this toy. I'm telling you what. <laughs> no. Anyway, sorry. Anyway, so, way to go, way to go, Kevin. That was it, that was worth it. I've been waiting. I've been waiting since the show began to, <laughs> to pull out the Pacific Rim. Let me think. What was I going to say? If you're looking for an enjoyable time, look. If you want to go to the movies and have a good time, this is it. There's there's no doubt you're going to have a good time. So go do it. It's fun. IMAX 3D, best bet. It'll be great. It is. I will pile on that. It is worth seeing in the theater. It is gorgeous. It is awesome. Go see it. With that, let's go to spoilers. The first rule of Fight Club is you do not talk about Fight Club. Well, you look nervous. Is it the scars? You want to know how I got them? 
there's so many places it would never occur to a hawk to hide. However, the reason the Führers brought me off my Alps in Austria and placed me in French cow country today is because it does occur to me. Because I'm aware what tremendous feats human beings are capable of once they abandon dignity. And in the dream, I knew that he was going on ahead. And he's fixing to make a fire somewhere out there in all that dark and all that cold. And I knew that whenever I got there, he'd be there. And then I woke up. All right, from this point forward, we're going to be talking about spoilers for all things Captain America Winter Soldier. So if you don't want to be spoiled, skip ahead to the cutting room floor or come back after you've seen it. So, guys, I think one of the major things that happened uh, at the end of this film is the implosion of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the infiltration, the Civil War, which we know that there's a series down the road in Marvel that this could be leading towards, but let's talk about S.H.I.E.L.D. specifically as it relates to the future of what's going on both in the filmic universe and the television show. Now, I personally haven't watched any of the television show, but I know Kevin and Chris have. So what are your thoughts, guys, as to how this is going to impact us going forward? You know, again, it's it's impressive that any any production company studio can pull this off where you've got such a crossover between what's going on in a weekly television series and what happens in a major motion picture. And they pulled it off really well. I felt like the first season of shield, like the first half of agents of shield was kind of leading up to this. It was waiting. And then they, they've begun putting little hints and seeds and, um, you know, ideas of what might be going on. So I'm like, kind of like, you know, raising your eyebrow of like, why, what, why is that happening? And now we know why all leading up to this major event that happens in Captain America. And so the implosion of shield obviously has now given new fuel a new fire to the television series. I was excited and like I said before, when I was talking about the um, Samuel L. Jackson car chase, I really felt like they were going to kill Samuel L. Jackson. In fact, um, Nick Fury, I, I was a little disappointed that they they brought him back, to be honest with you. I wish they would have not. And that could have been done like I, another two or three movies later. You know what I mean? I, I kind of liked that, that, he had, that he faked his own death, though. I thought that was, that yeah, was great. I he, he had to kill himself to be able to reveal who was really on his side. I understand that. I, I do. But at the same time, I felt a little kind of like I leaned I, over to Melody and said, he's not really dead. You know what I mean? Well, Just, here, here's the thing, though. I think. Yeah, the, thanks for to, telling me because I thought he was. <laughs> yeah. To the to the film's credit, I didn't when they revealed that he wasn't dead. I can't say that I was surprised. But leading up to it, it did such a good job conveying what was going on in this world that I thought they may have killed him. I mean, right. I, 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 I thought, thought I agree. They may have totally killed him. So uh, so for me, it, it worked. And then at the end, I was like, well, okay, of course they didn't kill him. Let me guys ask, let me ask you guys what you thought about some of the performances uh, in particular. I'm interested in, in Scarlett Johansson as Black Widow and Anthony Mackie, who played Falcon or Sam Wilson. Um, yes. I know for people that are familiar with the comics, they might have a little bit of the backstory of Falcon. But for people that don't, I thought it was interesting that they just kind of thrust him in there and said, well, here, here he is. What did you guys think about the chemistry? and the performances of those two characters in particular. I found Falcon very charming. I actually liked that a lot. I, a little bit of a bromance for Captain America. That was, you know, at the very <laughs> beginning, him running with, you know, that that whole sequence yeah. was just kind of... <laughs> On your left. <laughs> yeah, it was funny. That was great. It was, fun. it was funny. And yeah. I just, it's again, that's one of those comic booky things. Yes, he just shows up. There's not much backstory. Oh, you have wings? Okay. But it's better than him having, you know, some silly costume that was, you know what I mean? Like they could have done something 
something way cheesier. Sure. And instead, they just do a real quick brush over. Here he is. This is it. Get with it or don't. But we're we're going that direction. I found it charming. Uh, and and I I, I just like Anthony Mackie as an actor. So he's I thought, fun. I thought he he's fun. He's a great he's yeah. a great actor and a great personality. But I liked it because it, it really kind of reminded me of that interplay between that you see in the other Marvel movie of Iron Man with Tony Stark, Captain Rhodes. Uh, yeah. you, you know, in the Air Force. Because yeah. you know, you've, you've got the, the over-the-top superhero, Captain America or Iron Man, and then you have their, essentially the mortal, the, the normal person, yeah. who, who's also going to put it on the line and back them up and be there for them and, and be the guy that, that, help, that, that, that provides the solution when they can't. Yeah, and I thought I thought the film just needed that like light uh, relationship because everything else in this film, honestly, especially for Captain America, is pretty heavy. I mean, he's he's dealing with a lot of pain in his life and yeah. and his past. So I, I think that that relationship made it a little bit lighter and him like being a Chris counselor said, for the VA and all that. I, mean, I thought that was yeah, yeah it was yeah, a great yeah. way to bring him in. Yeah, it was cool. Yeah. So what did you guys think about uh, Scarlett Johansson in the role of Black Widow originally? Uh, in the first, the first time they kind of debuted her character, I thought, Iron you know, Man uh, you know uh, but she's really yeah. grown on me. And I, yeah. I thought that in this movie in particular, I thought they actually had really good chemistry. Yep. I thought, you know, this is, I'm actually interested in what's happening in their relationship. And she felt like she was still a BA, right? So she, she, I'm always worried yeah. about the people that, that are mortal, that they're being severely underpowered and how is it that they're not just totally crushed. But in this movie, right. in this movie, I thought she held her own really well. I don't know about you guys. what do you think? I, I, I think, I think she's doing a much better job and I, and I can see um, where they're taking that character now and I'm excited about it. What was interesting to me was I felt like they were in the moment they were going to have some sort of a romantic relationship with yeah. her and Captain, but you know they did that never happened. That was it was more of a uh, brother sister relationship. And if you notice too, she was wearing a arrow pendant on her uh, necklace uh, the entire mm-hmm. time because her and Hawkeye obviously are, are a thing. So I, I found that to be interesting. The little nods of like, no, we understand. Uh, but I I think that they did a good job of. And I heard a lot of people talking, and I think it's true. You know, she Black Widow is one way of viewing a shadow government uh you know one way of like your secret agent you know we're gonna do whatever it takes we're gonna torture we're gonna kill we're gonna assassinate and in captain america is the world war ii you know we are um the best we're above reproach we are yeah you know the good he's things. the light he's the light side yeah. and the purity and she's the the dark and dirty and, and then the, and then this know. thing happens you know it all hits the fan and how do you react can you can you still be a captain america in this world or do you have to be uh, the Romanoff in this world, yeah. and I thought that was that was fun. That was well, interesting because in this world they actually carried that out to its its logical conclusion, which is yep. if America is this great superpower and they are, they will do anything and everything necessary to quote unquote protect people, including killing millions of people. What does that mean, and where does that go? And so there's certainly a lot of subtext in this film. And Chris, you mentioned at the beginning in your head on. And so maybe that's also what added another element of enjoyment for me is it, yes, it's an action-y kind of thing, but there's also bigger picture things right. that are happening that frame the world that make the stakes 
uh, a little bit more tangible, but, I think. But also, they never go into like the full on like, and yeah, now we're preaching. trying to say something. Yeah, it's yeah, not exactly. preaching. Yeah. yeah, they just pick those two characters. Which I, at first, I was like, why is she in the Captain America movie? And then as soon as it happened, what was really going on with the the shield, you know, the, all that stuff? I was like, that's why they picked her because she's a perfect other side of the coin. They're working mm-hmm. for the same goal, but they just have a different way of seeing things. And I was like, wow, that's actually. Quite brilliant. I mean, I'm amazed that, that that they were able to pull that in and make it work. It was yeah. it was great. And what did you guys think about Bucky Barnes, the Winter Soldier, both both in the context of kind of the flashback to when he was Bucky Barnes, and yeah. then how he functioned as the villain or the primary adversary in this movie? I was thinking this is probably the weakest part of the movie for me because I felt like I this, this is what Kevin was saying, and I think I agree with him. But I, I felt like they did way too much as far as the forecasting of that uh, to make it anything meaningful when he actually finally takes off that mask. I don't know about you, Melody. Did you Were you familiar with the story enough to know that he was Bucky? I did not know he was Bucky until he took off the mask, no. But I, I, like, I don't know anything about the comics. Right. Did that <clears> surprise <throat> you? Did that carry weight? or was I mean, I, mean I was like, oh, that's interesting. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> All right. just, I mean, when they, especially whenever you see him visiting his own exhibit. Yeah. You see, that come on. Dumb. Seriously, you're, you're the good guy and you, you're going to go and stand around and look at your own exhibit. But now that was, yeah. that, was, that was for folks who had not seen the first film. That was exposition. Oh, who hasn't seen the first film though? Yeah, why yeah, did you no. see this? If you seen uh, no, why, are you wa- film? why are you watching this when so, the first one is? No, so I thought they did a pretty good job. I thought it was pretty great. Uh, yeah, because yeah. look, there's you got have a couple of options, more maybe more than a couple, to do exposition. You can just straight out have people tell you what's going on, which is boring Stupid. and uninteresting. Yeah. Or you can try to find didn't. you can no, they didn't. Or you can try to find a way <laughs> to create a scene where action happens and then the exposition happens through the action. So for me, I thought that was great because it gives people kind of a refresher without just sitting here saying, well, Captain America, you remember when you broke out and, you know, you go through all that stuff. And Bucky Barnes, your best friend, he was left behind. Exactly, showing a a newsreel or something like that. So I thought that 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 was a neat way to try try and do that. I I, I grew up more of a DC fan, not a Marvel fan. I like some of the characters in the Marvel Universe, but I collected comics for about eight, nine years and almost exclusively DC. So I did not know the story of this is Bucky Barnes and and all that stuff. So before they took his mask off, I really loved everything that they were doing. I thought it was a great equal kind of talent and skill level, which was exciting to see. And then the more that they, after they revealed who it was, the more that we saw him like in the room when they're kind of wiping his brain, all that yeah. The more mystery that they took away, the less impact it had. But, but that's that's per- why I was saying is the weakest point for me sure. because they 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 tried to make that too. He's he's Bucky, but he's not really bad. You know what right. I mean? Like he's, he's not choosing right. it. I well, just one of the th- things that really kind of got on my nerves though is he's they're all afraid of him because he's starting to remember who he is. He comes in and they've got him at gunpoint. You know, multiple people got you know have guns on it, and he just sits back and says, "Oh." Do the brain thing now? Okay. I'll, I'll, and then they're clearly talking. We're going to wipe your brain now. Yeah. We're going to reset you. Okay, well, can I get the mouth guard? I'll, I'll put that in and, and just kind of lay back here and let you do that. I, I go, 
right after I yeah, started I to question I like who scene. I am and what's going on. I agree. On, I didn't. I'm like going to lay back and, and get not get answered to my questions. You guys are right. I'll sit here and do whatever. Yeah, yeah. I agree. That scene didn't work like, for me. Come on, guys. But before we wrap it up here, let me do say, you know, you guys had mentioned earlier the scene in the bunker that you didn't like. I yeah. love mm. that scene. Really? You know, yes. Because listen, listen. If you're in a world where there are freaking alien worms that come through another dimension that are going to eat the world in Avengers, you know, and all this stuff, how far fetched is it really that they could put somebody's imprint somebody's consciousness on a supercomputer? I mean, really, is it that far fetched? Uh, so, I was okay with it. It's, I it's, was okay with it. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's one of those things where yes, within the context of this movie, it may feel a little surreal, but within the broad strokes of the universe, it's extremely consistent Here's, and it was i just the whole scene looked really cool i just liked it i thought it was i thought it was fine it was a little ridiculous how it ended with the missiles and them and all that stuff but yeah you know, it and, was kind of yeah. cool for me it was more about the execution more than the idea like when yeah. you say that i agree with you there's not a problem with having a consciousness on a supercomputer but it was the way it was presented as well as just kind of you know, he's always been down there and it, you know, it just, it just seemed a little too, how do I say this? Uh, convenient. convenient. Yeah. yeah. It was. And, and there and was it, more exposition there too. That I was... don't, ex- exactly. And I don't have, and you're right. Absolutely. It was more like, let me tell you how I did it all. Right. That's, <laughs> that's true. That's true. Uh, it was, it was Dr. Wiley. Mega Man. But he was yeah. on a supercomputer in like old busted 1940s computers. Yeah, but like, how, yeah. did they know that, how did they even know he, that they were going to go down there and like wake him up or whatever? You can't I, start I, asking those kinds of questions. Well, well, it's, it's the road that leads to ruin. I, I will say this. One of, the, one of the things I did love, and I, I didn't realize it until uh, later on after the movie, is the constant sort of references of are – are actually, I mean, before I start there, are we going to talk about the ending scenes and the, at the credits – yeah, yeah, we'll do that we after will. this, yeah. Okay, well, I'll, I'll hold off on that then. You know, Marvel is known for their stingers both during credit sequences and at the very end of credit sequences, and Captain America Winter Soldier did not disappoint. So I am curious to your thoughts on the two stingers that we saw. What did you guys think? I was excited. That, that It went from Samuel L. Jackson getting shot to those that to those those set those uh, clips at the end of the movie as far as my two high points in, in, in mm-hmm. Captain America because we've got all this great foreshadowing about Thanos and about the infinity gem oh it's gonna be awesome I can't wait right and all of these ideas of this bigger universe that even that the Marvel superheroes are just now starting to become aware of that there's a bigger evil and a bigger threat out there and you when I mean, you saw it in Thor you know, Loki getting the power, getting his his power from this other you know other dimensional being, and now these guys, you know, Hydra doesn't matter. Hydra shield, two sides of the same coin. What really matters is the is this other power, again coming from, you know, from on high. No, I I really I, I loved being able to see um, uh, Quicksilver and the Scarlet Witch. That was just that was fun. Oh yes. I knew that we were going to have them in Age of Ultron because we've had um, several spoilers already kind of leaked online or whatever about those two. But it was cool to be able to see them just for a brief moment show off the fact that we're going to be getting these quote-unquote mutant powers without having to have the X-Men, which is exciting because that opens up a whole new world of possibility in the Marvel Cinematic Universe that we've not had. Because most of the folks that we you know know of at the moment are... Um, not mutant powered. You know what I mean? Like they're from a, they're from they're aliens or they're you know they, they don't necessarily have 
that that kind of really interesting mutant superpower that that I think is uh, is interesting with uh, with the X Men. So I'm excited that there is life in this universe and it well, can continue. If they continue to make them at this quality, then I'm excited. If we get one of these every five <laughs> movies, I'm not excited. Right? Yes. Thank you, Chad. You're right. I can't handle we, three or four in a row. Like, you know, even as much as, and we reviewed it, even as much as I liked Thor 2, right? This is so much better than Thor 2. And Thor 2 yeah. is like, was an improvement, in my opinion, of, uh, on the original Thor. And sure. so it's like, I can't take another Thor 2, Thor 3, you know, this one over yeah. here. And then every three years we get an Avengers. And then every four or five movies we get one like this. They got to be at this level. Otherwise, I'm out. You know, at some I, point. I, I would let me, let me rephrase that. I'm never every out. Two years. But, <laughs> I was going to yeah, say. I mean, I'm in, <laughs> but I'm not going to like it. Dang it. Blade <laughs> Trinity, sir. You are never out. You're listening to the Screeners Podcast. Well, uh, let me say this. We are about to roll into our cutting room floor this week, and it's actually a cutting room floor from a week ago. As you, many of you know that listened to our last show that had Noah, we were almost an hour and 20 minutes because of the epic <laughs> battle that we had over Noah. And so we're going to play last week's cutting room floor, which we get to talk about some of the uh, answer, some of the questions that our listeners have sent in. So before we go, I do want to say thanks to Kevin for being here. That's why Kevin is going to magically disappear and Josh is going to reappear. And last week we had a special birthday for Josh. So you'll hear a little birthday themed cutting oh, room floor. Good. Oh yeah. <laughs> so um, we, uh, want to say thanks to Kevin for uh, being here with us this week. It's been great. We've had a great time. And with that, we're going to roll to the cutting room floor. The cutting room floor. Okay. For the cutting room floor this week, we have some listener questions that we are super excited to be able to talk about because our listeners have been sending stuff in that they want to hear about. So first question comes from Mike. And his question is, if you could remake one movie, what would it be and why? So first, let's hear from Josh. This is a tough question because <laughs> like, I have movies that I like and I don't want to remake them because I already like them. And then I have movies that I don't like that I never want to see again and don't care if I could make them better. So let me just pick one here. And I'm going to go ahead and say I would remake Les Miserables, oh. just I, which I did enjoy. I would remake it just so I could get rid of Russell Crowe <laughs> and do us all a favor. Amen, Since brother. we just talked about Noah, you may I be able to get funding segue. for that one, actually. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Can't start him. In fact, there's got to be a way that we could like, uh, edit him out, just, you know what I mean, like somehow digitally, re, you know, put somebody Exactly, else like yeah. they took the guns out of E.T., take Russell Crowe out That's of right. That's that right. That's right. an embarrassment. Good answer, Josh. All right, what about you, Chris? Okay, so uh, I read. A, I'm a huge Michael Crichton fan, and I read a book called Timeline back in the day, and they made a movie. Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, called Timeline that is horrible in every way. And so my elevator pitch for Timeline would be Looper meets Game of Thrones. Who does not want to see that? So I, I really feel like it, th that that movie. There, there's there's not enough justice done to that. That that story could be fantastic. So I'd love to see Timeline done again. That is. Perhaps the best answer ever. That's no, a really good answer. It's not. All right. It, it literally yeah, yeah it is. Because that book was awesome. The book is and awesome. The movie was so bad. All right, Chad. What's I your have answer? the best answer ever. This, <laughs> w literally within two seconds of reading this question, it was so easy. <laughs> the answer too. is Aragon. 
No <laughs> doubt about it. I freaking love that book. And if there was a director and about a $150 million budget, it could be the next Lord of the Rings. It really could Absolutely. be. It could have been magnificent. Have been. And instead, we got treated to a big steaming pile. So if I could redo one movie, it is Aragon, the end. Oh, you're, you're so oh, right. You are right. You're right. That's even better answer than Chris. I told you. You want to forget it, but you can't. <laughs> no, I don't know. Would you really remake that experience that yes. we had in the theater together? <laughs> yes, Josh. Do you not remember like, how bad do? that they was? They put a red gel hey, on Josh it. No, it I, listen, awesome. jo- now, Josh and I listen. Josh and I left work in the middle of the day, which was not necessarily uncommon, but we left in the middle of the day to go see a movie like little high school kids. We were so excited and went home like with tears in our in our popcorn. It was unbelievable. Josh, he's not wanting to take that experience away. He's wanting to make a new experience and That's make it. it better. That's it. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, those are all excellent answers. My answer did not come at it from the same perspective because I couldn't think of any of those. And if I had, I would have said all of them. But I came at it from like something I liked from a long time ago that might be cool to see remade. So I was, <laughs> I couldn't think of anything. I really like. Is this going to be ever, another top ten right, list? Like no, <laughs> what is happening right now? Okay, I think it would be fun, like how Disney is remaking some of the um, the animated movies into live action, like the Maleficent thing, which actually looks really cool. So I would like to see Aladdin remade into live action, but really good because that was my oh. favorite movie as a kid. That's all I got. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Shut up. I couldn't think of right. Aragon. If I had, I would have said it. Okay. <laughs> Spousal abuse here tonight. Oh, okay. All right. Next question comes from Maria, and she would like some recommendations for fiction books to read. Uh, Chad, do you have any recommendations? I do. If you have not read this series, and I know Melody knows where I'm going. Uh, if, nice. you, if you haven't read this series and you can make it through the first book of this mm-hmm. series, you will lose yourself throughout the next six books. It's marvelous. It's the seminal series I've read in my lifetime, and that is The Dark Tower by none other than Stephen King, Josh's favorite author. <laughs> it is, uh, it's fantasy. It's, uh, I, don't, I don't even know how to explain it. It's so many different genres in one, but the writing is superb. The story is is epic in scale. It spans lifetimes and generations. And the the series for me is even more impactful because I actually read them as they were released, at least from like three on. So I was with this series for years and years and years. But it was your Harry Potter. It was. It was my Harry Potter. That's exactly right. And I think it's beautifully written. And I recommended it to Melody. And I think Melody, you know, eventually read it and loved it as well. It changed my life. It contains one book in the middle, the fourth book called Wizard in Glass. That is quite possibly my favorite fiction book of all time uh it's just a wonderful wonderful series so the dark tower stephen king that is an excellent recommendation and was on my list so thanks for that chris do you have any <laughs> fiction books so to bringing some culture to this podcast mm-hmm. i would recommend brian bendis's ongoing 2013 run of guardians of the, of the galaxy cosmic avengers mm-hmm. um so i downloaded the first volume of guardians of the galaxy because i'm getting ready for the film that is being released at the end of the summer is this a graphic novel uh, yes it's oh, a graphic okay. novel. i was just making sure i just didn't know Yes, uh, it's a graphic novel, and uh, it's a comic book, obviously. Um, it has pictures. It has pictures and some words. Does it have text um, But actually, it's very surprising and, and, and quite good. It's, it's, it's a lot of fun. So if you're looking for a comic book, people, trying to keep that alive, 
Guardians of the Galaxy, Cosmic Avengers, Brian Bendis' ongoing 2013 run. It's still running um, to this day, but the first volume is available in a collected edition. You can download it uh, on Comixology, on your iPad, or go to your local comic book store and pick it up. Hey, Chris, real quick, can I ask you a question? When no. You, when you buy the, no, it's a serious question because I, I have a closet full of comic books that I used to collect. When you buy the digital version these days, yeah. can you also get an in-store version as well for the same price, or are those separate purchases? They're separate purchases. Oh, that's but, a bummer. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not like you can go buy. So it's you, not don't like own, a, you could spend thousands of dollars over the years and not own anything is what you're saying. I'm sorry, say that again? So you could you, you could buy comics for years and years but not actually own anything of value except for the digital version. They don't do right. like a you pay one price and get both kind of thing. Okay. Correct. Yeah, no, All they right. don't. They, they do have subscription-based model right now on the iPad, though. Marvel is the only one who's doing this. They have this uh, like a Netflix kind of subscription okay. that includes, um, you know, every month you get a couple comics or whatever. Okay. That's uh, cool. But, um, yeah, no, nothing nothing like you buy one and get everything at everywhere. Okay. I wish. That would be fantastic. Yeah, and they should bad. do that. But, yeah. All right, Josh, do you have any fiction books to recommend? Okay, yeah, this is this is another tough one because do you want current fiction, all-time fiction, what genre do you like? I mean, pick a genre and I haven't read a lot of comic books, so I can't really pick anything out of there, but not everyone is as pretentious as I am, but I just have to go with who I am and I have to recommend just about anything by Milan Kundera, The Unbearable Lightness of Being, The Book of Laughter and Forgetting. But even more so than that, um probably my favorite book of all time is Infinite Jest by David Foster Wallace. Mm -hmm. It is a difficult read at times, depending on what you're used to and what you're a fan of, but it is fantastic. So, If if, if you're used to comic books... You probably should not read... don't want to jump into Infinite Jest. (laughs) You probably should not read a 900-some-page postmodern book. Uh Well, if you're looking for something in between uh, that and comic books, you probably want to go with Chad's recommendation, which was also mine, the Dark Tower series, because mm. it's awesome. Yep. Also, another little book called The Great Darkening by R.G. Triplett is yeah, a that's fantastic a good fiction read. Um, and one more recommendation that I would like to make, specifically to Josh, actually, but also to Maria, who asked this question, if she hasn't read it, which she probably has. But anyways, my recommendation is um, The Chronicles of Narnia by C.S. Lewis, Josh you need to read it. I'm reading it to my four-year-old right now and remembering all of the awesomeness that is that is part of that series and that world. And everyone oh. should read it many times. Maybe, maybe I can read it to a four-year-old sometime. <gasps> that would be amazing. <laughs> It'll be the first time for me and I'll experience the magic with her. It's so magical. Oh, my goodness. Brent, when I was reading it to my daughter the other day and like she figured out she figured out that the kids were back in Narnia or whatever, and it was like this like spoiler alert. For real spoilers. Uh, it's up? not a spoiler Spoilers. alert. Hello. If you read the back of the book, you'll know. But for her, it was. For her, it was like this mystery of like figuring out where they were, and she, it like occurred to her right before the characters figured it out. And it was this moment of magic. It was so awesome. So everyone needs to experience it. All right. I'm done with that now. All right. Let's move on to oh, our magic. last question from Samantha. So Samantha's question comes to us on Facebook, and she says, I haven't seen True Detective yet, but I'd like to check it out. These days, it seems like I'm late to the game on many shows when the world is all, yeah, I was into that a few years ago. Wondering what formerly popular shows you guys enjoy or maybe want to check out, even though peak popularity has passed. So, guys, what do we think? Josh, do you have any recommendations? Well, how far back do we want to go? Again, uh, for me... The past couple years have been about 
discovering Parks and Rec, which is still running, of course. <laughs> but I went back and caught up with it from the beginning because you just have to. And it's a great show. Um, a couple shows you may have missed. And actually, I don't know how popular they how big they made it in pop culture. One of them did, and that's The West Wing. And if you haven't seen that, you need to go watch the whole series and the best show come back time. and see me later because that's going <laughs> to take you a while. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, next up, another Sorkin show that everyone should see that I think a lot of people didn't, but Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip. Oh, yeah. That was a fantastic it. show. It was good. Great they show. The Christmas that. episode in their only season was one of my favorite mm-hmm. TV episodes ever. It's wonderful. It is. It is oh, sad that was, that didn't make it longer. No, I don't understand. It really that. is. It was so such awesome. a great show. Well, because it was going up against that competing like comedy sitcom of you know behind the scenes of a Saturday Night Live type show as well, and I think people, that people were like, got it's confused. It's not funny. It's not supposed well, exactly. to be funny. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And that was the thing. It's well, supposed it was. to be brilliant. It was. It, it just. It was. You know. It was smart and funny. You know, which some people can't handle. Yeah. Okay. So that's three from me. I, I'll seed the floor. All right. Nice. What about you? What about you, Chad? I definitely had the West Wing. <clears throat> it's my favorite show of all time. I've got about five or six, and I don't want to steal some of some of you, uh, the shows that you guys may have. So I'll just mention a couple because again, I have no idea what you know she's watched. If you like comedy, I would say uh, the original Arrested Development. That's a show that obviously has had a renaissance oh, yeah. here recently, but it's kind of past its original prime. And the the first few seasons of Arrested Development are fantastic. Um, if you want something a little bit more serious, maybe sci-fi, I would say maybe Battlestar Galactica is a show mm, that yes. um, is available on Netflix, but is, is an excellent show, good writing, um, very, very uh, interesting and tight story arc uh, throughout. And so if you like sci-fi, I would definitely go Battlestar Galactica. And then the last one I would say is obviously one that I think most people have seen, but if you've never seen The Sopranos, one of the best shows of all time. Uh, mm. It's a mobster show on it from HBO about uh, what mobster life would be like, you know, in a modern times in a real family, and it's it's fascinating and, and great work. <laughs> so those will be yes. nice. cool. Guess awesome. who hasn't seen The Sopranos? Well, now you have HBO Go. <laughs> so you should go back. Yeah. That's, that's true. You should go back and watch. I have another all. HBO one to add to that when we're when we're done too. Well, I, I'm I'm going to mention one actually. I was glad nobody else mentioned it. Melody may have right. it on her list, but well, go ahead, go ahead, Chris. So uh, the HBO show that I was going to mention is one called Rome. Um, oh. I don't think a lot of people um, actually saw that or I've even never seen it. It is spectacular. Are you serious? Me either. Never it is it. spectacular in every sense of the word. Uh, the acting is spectacular. It's, it's really a very, very good series. I'm sad that it ended, but it told a full story, which is which is good. Um, it was amazing. Yeah. And it ended at the right time. You guys need to go watch it right now. Yeah, I'm serious. Good. It is sure. awesome. It, it, it's, it's kind of the feel of Game of Thrones, but like so much better because it's real. Like it's telling a real story. And the acting is insane. It is so good. Go watch it right now. And these are all people you're familiar with now. I, I feel like um, the, the, yeah, whoever they was got responsible. their start on that. Yeah, whoever was responsible for casting this show knew what they were doing because everybody in integral parts are now in other things that you're you know you're familiar with or you've seen or you've enjoyed or whatever. Um, so anyway, it's it's a really good it's a really good show. And then the other one that I don't know if, if it actually meets the criteria of saying has. Um, uh, gone past its peak popularity. 
but if you haven't seen the show, it only ran for one season. I actually didn't even make it all the way through its first season, uh, but did get a movie afterward um, to kind of tie all the loose ends up. And that is a little show called Firefly. Um, if you mm-hmm. haven't seen Firefly, uh, if you're a sci-fi fan or if you're just you like some comedy and some action, you're going to enjoy this series. It is really well done. It's funny. The character relationships are perfect. The stories that they're telling, it's it's amazing. Joss Whedon, who of course now is running, you know, the Avengers and most of Marvel was responsible for that series. And you can really tell his what he's good at, his expertise is these, you know, people coming together and having differences, but in the end, being able to work together and accomplish things that are great. So Joss Whedon, fantastic job in Firefly. So those are the two I'd recommend, Rome and Firefly. If you've not seen them, check them out. I think you'll enjoy it. Chris, like your recommendations are so much better than mine. Everybody, if you have not seen those two shows, you need to go watch them right now before you listen to any of mine. Okay. But after you've done that, I do have a few. <laughs> okay. I put Fringe on here because I think it is worth the watch. And if you didn't watch oh, it, you should. You word. should. You should. It's okay. a really good show. Thank Maybe you. Maybe you should just skip the first season then Dude. and just, you know. <sighs> you guys are dumb. Whatever. <laughs> we are. just terrible. I'm sorry. It's dumb. Awful. You have nailed it. <laughs> Anyway, Fringe, I also Fringe is put, fantastic. I'm going to back you up on that, honey. Thank you. It's a really very Thanks, good show. honey. Unless you like writing or acting. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, whatever. Yes. Cinematography, <laughs> it's hard. It can, whatever. Oh, God. Don't listen to those two. All right. Uh, I also put on here Homeland. I do think they're still making it, but the first, at least the first season was really, really good. And then I also had Park and, Parks and Rec on mine. And... Here's a little show from way back in the day that I have talked about once oh, before gosh. on a podcast. I knew you were going to say this. Saved by the Bell. No, oh, no, gosh. no. So much better than that. A show called Briscoe <laughs> I County. I knew it. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. <laughs> no, this list is terrible. That, that doesn't exist. <laughs> Melody, you're on a roll with your list. I'm telling wow. you. It's amazing. You guys, this was like Carlton Cuse's first show, and it was awesome. Yeah. Every episode Sounds was like just Melody. riveting with Bruce Campbell funniness, and it was just it's I do like love sci-fi me some Bruce meets, now. yeah, sci-fi meets western with Bruce Campbell and Carlton Cuse. Are you kidding? It's amazing. It couldn't be better, and you have Join to us see next it. time for the Screeners Razzie Awards. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Just uh, ignore all of those recommendations. I I told them to watch your two first. Okay, but right after that is Briscoe County Jr. But I'm I'm taking all those and I'm recommending a third, which I've said several times. Watch Hannibal. Just everybody just it's running right now currently. Just go watch Hannibal. A a couple of honorable mentions too would be 24 if you never watched. Oh, it's coming back. That's coming back. Are you serious? Yeah, and then uh, also peak popularity though, my friend. I think that definitely it's not at peak popularity now. It is not at peak. It's coming out. It's coming out. I understand that. But it's past its prime as far as popularity. Um, and then Curb Your Enthusiasm is another one that's gone up and down that's also really funny. So if you like comedy. You and, also look up Carnival, yeah. old HBO show, which was fantastic. Only ran for two seasons, but yep. very interesting. Before we go, too, we have to say, guys, it's a very special occasion today on the screeners. Yes. As we're recording, it is Josh's birthday. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Oh, thank you. To our resident, another hour. Our resident sad man, but he's happy today because he's one year closer to death. So, yes. welcome. <laughs> one year closer to the cold embrace of the grave. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. That's it. Happy birthday, Josh. Thank you very much. You're listening to the Screeners Podcast. We've talked enough, so now it's your turn. Go look us up on Facebook where you can like our page for updates. While you're there, let us know what you think of the episode. 
Stop by ScreenersPodcast.com to read our show notes or send us an email at ScreenersCast at gmail.com to tell us what you'd like to hear about in future shows. And don't forget, real fans leave iTunes reviews. Thanks, guys. Have a great week. And that's a wrap. You've heard what the screeners had to say. Now you be the critic. Head over to ScreenersPodcast.com and let us know what you think. See you next time.